0: 29 AD, there was one about to change the world. Fully man, fully God, Jesus. Next to him was a friend who witnessed everything. He saw early miracles, he sat at his right hand, his own eyes saw Jesus transfigured, the very heart of Christ was poured out to him and he was there at the cross on the day history was altered. These are the words and the story of John. It was a bright Sunday morning in the 18th century London, you guys, and Bob, uh, Robert Robinson was in this mood that was anything but sunny, he was really down. All along the street there were people hurrying to church, but amid that crowd, Robinson was a lonely man. The sound of the church bells reminded him of all those years past when his faith in God was strong and the church was an integral part of his life. It had been years since he had set foot in a church, years of wandering, disillusionment and gradual defection from the God that he once really loved. And that love for God, once fiery and passionate, had just slowly burned out within him, leaving him dark and cold inside. Robinson heard the click-clop, click-clop of a horse-drawn carriage behind him, and he turned and he lifted his hand to hail the driver, but when he saw the cab, there was inside a young woman dressed for church. So he waved the driver on, but the woman said to the driver, stop. And the driver stopped, and she said, sir, I'd be happy to share this carriage with you. Are you going to church? And Robinson was about to say no. He was about to decline, and then he paused and said, well, yes, I'm going to church. And he stepped into the carriage and sat down beside this young woman. And as the carriage rolled forward, Robert Robinson and the woman exchanged introductions. There was a flash of recognition in her eyes when she said, that's an interesting coincidence. She reached into her purse and withdrew a small book of inspirational verses. And she opened it to a ribbon bookmark and handed it to him and said, I was just reading a verse by a poet named Robert Robinson. Could it be? And he took the book and he nodded and he said, Yes, I wrote these words years ago. Oh, how wonderful, she claimed. Imagine I'm sharing a carriage with the guy, the author of these actual words. But Robinson barely heard her. He was absorbed in the words as he was reading. They were words that would one day be set to music and become a great hymn of the faith, familiar to generations of Christians. Come thou fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. His eyes slipped to the bottom of the page where he read, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. He could barely finish the last lines through the tears in his eyes. And he said, I wrote these words, and I've lived these words, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. And the woman, as she looked at him, was filled with emotion and totally understood what he was saying. And she said, but Mr. Robinson, you also wrote Here's my heart, O Lord, take and seal it. You can't offer your heart again to God right now, Mr. Robinson. It's not too late. And it wasn't too late. That night, Robert Robinson gave his life back to God, and he turned and never walked away from Him again. And that hymn of faith is one we sing today, isn't it, you guys? In fact, we sung it at my son's wedding. (laughs) In the same way God used an unknown woman to rescue a man from losing his way with God, Jesus will use an unknown woman to save an entire village of Jews who Jesus deeply loved. So my prayer tonight is that you will allow God to meet you in your broken place by letting other men help you, just like you did, James. You let some other guys help you. And I pray that some of you will allow God to use you to help the other men in this room that might need help tonight. That are hurting we start tonight in john 4 1 we see the d- disciples are baptizing and they had a significant increase in followers which was deeply frustrating those pharisees this adversity caused jesus to move north away from judea to galilee and yet the tension was riding, rising between jesus and the pharisees and those men would ultimately be the men who would kill jesus john will raise this issue many times in his gospel He has a few reasons one of which is to make it very clear that there's a contrast between those who believe and those who do not the samaritan woman was not only rejected by these culturally perfect jews from judea but she was rejected by her own people and jesus chose her because he knew in her brokenness she would come to believe in him and save many others just like the pharisees the buttoned up world of christians can often be very harsh and unforgiving. We get so caught up in living for Jesus, we become busy and very unapproachable. How have you felt rejected or hurt by your own Christian community? Samaritans were Jews from the tribes of Jacob that had been conquered by the Assyrians in 721 BC. And the Assyrians forced integration of foreign people into that Israeli countryside and deported many of the Jews. But some of those Samaritan Jews were left behind in Israel. And those that were left behind would only follow the Torah, the laws of Moses, which contained 613 rules called the mitzvah. They did not follow what the Jerusalem Jews followed, which included the Torah, the prophets, the history, and the Talmud. They built their own temple out at Mount Gerizim, and they would not worship at all at the Jerusalem temple. Each group staunchly believed they were exclusively the sole owners of truth. Today, there are seven major Christian ecclesiastical blocks with well over 30,000 Christian denominations in the world. They all believe their ideology is right, and all the other groups are wrong. While we certainly need theologians, and men we absolutely do, the, the other groups that are out there that look at each other that way hurt each other oftentimes. We hide in that space of theology. We don't love each other people well. We don't help people that are lost. I've sat in many groups and seen men hurt each other under the premise of correcting a man's theology or being led by the Spirit. This rarely helps a man in a group setting, and it often humiliates or hurts him. How do you, at times, ignore relationship because you think people need to hear your deep spiritual wisdom? Jacob's well and the land it was on were given to him by Joseph. Joseph and the Samaritan woman were both rejected by these people. Both were used by God to save those Jewish people. And John shares these facts, so we'll focus on the rejection of those two people. Jesus loves to work with people who are rejected. Many men have been rejected or hurt by their families or friends. And that rejection often drives us to find our value apart from Jesus. The brokenness in my family drove me to perform to find my value. And I have found strong performance in business and in church creates a deep sense of worth and value that men praise. But I can also tell you this, it leaves you empty, disconnected, and lonely just like the woman at the well how has rejection of your family defined who you are men please remember that when you are saved you become part of a new eternal family it's a new family james you become incredibly valuable god you've always been valuable to god but you are valuable to god because now you're his son and it's not the work that He assigns you that gives you value. It's your sonship that gives you value. Guys, if I didn't have two sons, I, this would have never made sense to me. I can honestly tell you because work for performance was what mattered in my family growing up. That's all that mattered. It wasn't until I had my sons that I truly understood what it meant to love my sons just because they were my sons. I don't care what they accomplish; They're my sons. I love them. And knowing this has helped me feel God's love for me. It's been amazing. I recognize not all men will become dads, but I think there's a reason God lets us be dads. And it's so that some of us, like me, can feel what it feels to be loved by Him. Hmm. So it's an incredible gift to be a dad. I'll just tell you that. And that sense of knowing and knowing God's love is a powerful thing that dads get to experience. And I know not everybody gets to be a dad. I get that. But it's still pretty cool to be a dad and feel that love that you feel for your kids is what God feels for you. What do you need that will help you feel loved by God tonight? Jesus is thirsty and he's by himself and he meets a woman by herself at Jacob's well. And we never learn the name of the woman, but we see Jesus had incredible love for her. And he shows that love by being vulnerable in four ways. First, he asks her for a drink of water. Second, By being with a woman whom his people people deeply despised. And third, by being alone with this woman at a very odd time. And then lastly, he absorbed a lot of her deep, mean-spirited questions. Jesus chose to be vulnerable with this broken woman because he knew it was the only way that he was going to get her to believe in him. He shows how incredibly valuable women are in his eyes by doing this. This scene at the well also shows how Jesus chooses people with broken lives for his kingdom work. Broken people are humble and far more sensitive to those with similar pain. For me personally, I can feel the hurt of a man whose father's been missing in his life. And it's interesting how less judgmental I am of a guy who's been abandoned by his father. I'm far more likely to enter into that guy's life than I ever would have been. And Jesus models how a vulnerable man can help people just by connecting with their pain. That's what he did with that woman. What painful parts of your life help you connect with other men? Jesus informs the woman of his ability to provide provide her with living water. She didn't have any idea what he was talking about. And he knew her pain from her past and her present. He understood it. He could see into her soul. And he cared about it. He wanted to help her. And he could have explained to the Holy Spirit in great theological detail. But he knew that information was not going to be the bridge that would help her. So when she asked for water, he pivots to talk about her emotional pain. Her emotional pain from broken relationships left her isolated and alone. She's there at noon by herself. Not a common time for a woman to go get water. He enters into that pain. Now, we don't know if she was an adulterer. The text never says those words at all. And over the years, commentators have inferred that, but it doesn't say that she could have been divorced by five husbands men at that time had unilateral power to divorce in that culture not the women or she may have been unable to bear children and in that culture that would have been grounds for divorce or her husbands may have died both from disease and or war so we're not really convinced by the words in the text, except from all the commentators over the years, Dr. Eli Eisenberg, the founder of Israel Bible Center, strongly believes she wasn't an adulteress. He's a Jewish scholar. So he's bringing into the Jewish culture. and He argues that the people of the town would have been far more likely to listen to a woman who had suffered a hard life rather than an adulteress. The Jewish culture was very unlikely to listen to the town whore, no matter what she said. And especially if she was trying to justify a man she just met at the well by calling him the Messiah. Doesn't make sense, does it? But it's not really all that relevant. Whatever the case is, Jesus found her deepest pain and showed her loving compassion in that moment. He did not lead with lessons from the Torah like he did with Nicodemus. Man, we struggle to get help from each other because we like to preach at each other and fix each other. The Bible quotes and in good intention teaching shuts us down when we're hurting. It does, doesn't it? When you're hurting and a guy starts quoting scripture to you, you just shut down. And because we do that to each other so much, especially as Christian guys, we avoid each other. We just don't even want to go there. Jesus models something completely different. He used active listening, good questions, and relational connection to reach this woman when she was in pain. And I truly believe that's the model God's pointing us men to use with each other. How would people that are close to you, or better yet, the men in your group tonight, describe your ability to listen and connect to their heart? Or would they say, you preach at them and fix them? The woman thinks Jesus is a prophet but tries to pick a fight over when the mountain or whose mountain is the true place of worship and what the right theology ought to be. And Jesus tells her, I am a Judean Jew and we are going to save you. He corrects her theology and he makes it clear that the location of the temple is no longer going to matter. It's irrelevant. She counters that explanation by declaring, well, the coming of the Messiah will straighten out this argument. And he goes, I'm that guy, I'm the Messiah. It's pretty powerful isn't it i love this whole thing the way he does it the first time jesus proclaimed himself as messiah was to this samaritan woman what an incredible honor to her as a woman suffering all those years i wonder how this made jesus feel knowing his own tribe was rejecting him and these samaritans who all his people deeply hated were believing in him Many of the Judean Jews would not follow Jesus until Peter and all the other disciples would testify about Jesus after he's dead and resurrected. And many of us men have been rejected by our families as well as Christian men bringing Christ into our homes. And for me personally, this has hurt a lot. It's brought a lot of anger towards my family at times and some of my family members. And I know I should ask for forgiveness for hating them sometimes and feeling guilty for not wanting to reach them. And I have felt that way a lot. What hatred in your heart do you need to confess towards people who've treated you badly? One of our leaders this weekend helped me talk about this a little bit and really helped me bring peace in my soul, saying, Bill, it's not yours to save your family. Don't take that guilt on. Someone's going to reach them. God's got the right people. But you do have some responsibility with your family, and that's to forgive them. And not hold all that hate in your heart and I can own that assignment in John 4 27 the disciples rejoined Jesus at the well with food they didn't question what Jesus was doing with the woman they simply wanted to talk about food Jesus said I'm being sustained by something from my father and these guys were confused And he said I'm doing the will of my father that's my food the statement helps us realize that God will provide food that we need when we're doing his work you guys This is powerful. We can be counting on God because he will provide for us. It's abundantly true. He gives you what you need when you're doing his work. He doesn't give it to you beforehand though. That's my experience. You don't get what you need ahead. You get it when you get in. He equips you when you follow. When you step out obediently, he starts to give you what you need. If you're waiting to get what you need, you might be waiting for a long time. I've found typically I get my equipping after I'm obedient to follow. Somebody once said to me, if Jesus ordered the pizza, he'll pay the bill. It's like, man, I get that. What are you waiting to get from God before you will step out to serve? What are you waiting on before you step out to serve? Jesus made it very clear that the Samaritans all around the disciples, the ones they hated, were eager to hear the truth and to follow. Very people they ignored when they went to get the food were waiting to hear the gospel and they didn't share it while they were there. How do we know? Because he said the people that you're going to reap, you didn't do anything for. Everybody else did the work and now you're going to reap them. So they clearly didn't do anything when they were there getting food. And Jesus said to them, open your eyes. That's pretty blunt. That was pretty direct. There's people all around us, you guys, that are needing to meet Jesus open your eyes you just got to look around you got to have some motivation in your heart to say I want to go talk to people that don't know him when was the last time you had a conversation with an unbelieving man about his life or his spiritual life when was the last time that happened open our eyes that's what Jesus is saying many Samaritans believe because of the testimony of this woman her testimony led them to Jesus And then he stayed with them for two days and then they believed because they heard his words directly our words don't save people your testimony doesn't save people your words lead people to Jesus and then Jesus saves them the Holy Spirit convicts them James taught us that tonight he heard the words the Holy Spirit convicted him and then he was saved by God right that's what God does that's how he works the only thing we have to do is share our testimony But if you never share your testimony with anyone, you're not going to lead anybody to Jesus, nobody. You don't save them, you just lead them to Jesus and he saves them. You just got to keep that order in mind. It's not your problem to save them. When was the last time you shared your testimony with anyone, even just yourself, to practice what you would say if you were around someone? Seriously, have you ever practiced? Guys haven't even rehearsed their own story before. And that's why I'm so proud of James because that was the first step, it's an important step because James is now gonna tell that story thousands of times in his life. And he's gonna get better and more passionate and more clear on what happened and that story will bring people to Jesus. A testimony is powerful. And James took the first step to practice it with you guys. That took courage. How much courage do you have to start practicing your testimony? Now we're gonna switch stories and go see another unnamed person who heard the words of Jesus, trusted those words, saw a dramatic miracle, and then brought many to Jesus. In John four forty three, the royal official from Capernaum found Jesus in Cana and asked if he could heal his son. And Jesus accuses the guy of just wanting a miracle, and the guy brushes him off and says, no, no, I think you can heal my son, I believe you can heal my son. He didn't care about the miracle, he wanted Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus saw his belief, and he spoke words and his son was healed. That man took Jesus at his word and left believing it had happened. The words of Jesus have that kind of power. And if we believe in Jesus, we too will see that miracle happen in our life. God's word, his Bible, the words in the Bible are Jesus. It has power to change you every day. Your intake of the Bible have a direct impact on the transformative power of God in your life. Heart of a man is committed to help you study God's word because it gives you power. It affects you, it changes you. In addition to this class, we've built a tool to help you learn. Deep Waters Project on March 15 will help you learn how to use that tool. I'm asking you to come, guys. I think we've got over 50 guys signed up already. Join us. We can fill a room and teach you guys. We'll have two hours of training, it'll be fantastic. And it will help you hear God speak through His Word. It will help you be far less dependent on what other men tell you the Bible says, and it will help tune your Holy Spirit to the Word of God and this is what you want every day how will you develop your ability this year to hear and respond to the words of jesus how will you do that this is powerful you guys and the last scene we see was this a royal official coming in and he's realizing his son is healed his son is healed this is a miracle that spanned time and space jesus was not anywhere near this boy he's healed it's powerful and jesus heals he can do that anywhere at any time he has that kind of power but Jesus picks and chooses who he heals. You say, why doesn't he heal everybody? Because not everybody will believe. Jesus chooses believe to heal people so that people will believe. And he affects you so that you'll affect people to help them believe. And he chose that man, that royal official, because that guy was going to be passionate about bringing his family to it. And he chose you for the same reason. Because you will be passionate about your belief to share it with others. It's the passion of men that drives other men to say, I want to know. Right. If James goes up to tell his story, and he's like, I kind of think it. I don't know. Maybe it didn't. Happen. I'm not so sure. Maybe I, 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 it's OK. I, not. I I, yeah, I'm OK. And sits down. And you're like, what? What did he? What did he just say? What was that? But if he gets up and says, God met me, I saw him, I looked him in the eyes. He saved my soul. I'm a different man. I walked in. My wife said he's different. That's a different guy. That's not the same guy. Guy's going to tell, tell what? I want to hear that story. What's going on with that story? That's passion. Like you have when you go to the Colts game or the Pacers game or when you go paint or whatever it is that you do that you get all excited about. Right. Yeah. You guys get excited about all kinds of things. I've seen you. you little quiet guys. You're all quiet. And then you get into your hobby and you got passion poured out of your ears and you can't shut you up. But then all of a sudden you say, well, tell me your testimony. I'm not so sure what happened. I don't know. Maybe. What? God saved that royal official. Jesus did because that man had passion. And he stepped into his home and he said, God has saved my son. And the whole house said, praise the Lord. We too want to be saved. And this household was saved. You have that in you too. You're a man of God built to be passionate about what God's put in your soul. And to get out and share it with a passion that brings people to Jesus. When was the last time you showed an infectious love for Jesus that was passionate and powerful and overwhelming to the people around you, and it drew them to be wanting to hear the words of Jesus? When did you last do that? Maybe never. Let me close with a story from a guy in our class who gave me permission to share. Aaron connected with this group about six years ago here in Carmel. He was recently married and deeply afraid of bringing his anger into that marriage. And what was surprising was Aaron came and said, I don't want to study the Bible. If we talk Bible, I'm out of here. You bring out a Bible, I'm leaving. And I have zero desire to be pushed to go to church. Don't do that or I'm not doing this. He felt like everything he experienced from the church not only didn't help, but created some of his problems. That's how he felt. Whether it was true or not wasn't relevant. That's how he felt. It took about two years of meeting with Aaron uh, to work through his deep-seated anger and we realized it was connected to his dad and his mom our group met every four weeks for three-hour sessions and we'd ask lots of questions listen be sad together we would cry and every now and then he got pretty fired up some pretty powerful demonstrations of anger but it didn't bother anybody we didn't get flustered we stayed in it and we just provided those relational nutrients he needed when those issues came up and over time Aaron's emotional pain diminished and now he's built an incredibly beautiful relationship with his mother and his father they have good boundaries healthy conversations Aaron loves his mom and dad. His marriage is very healthy. Our next step was to introduce Aaron to Jesus through Bible study and church. Aaron came to Bible study, became a leader here, goes to, joined a local church, and now Aaron's leading heart groups with guys in this class to work on the very issues that he worked through. He's passionate about it. He loves it. It's powerful to see and Aaron's changed job three times. He's tripled his income over that time because he was so unhappy and in the wrong job and so angry at himself and his life, he couldn't function in his job. And once he got that cleaned up in his life, right with Jesus, his job took off. And now he's doing exactly what God's called him to do. It affects everything, you guys. I think Aaron's story is common among men. Many men have walked away from God because something in their life has fallen apart. And we don't see God fixing it, and we don't understand why he let it break in the first place. I can tell you this. Jesus, who healed that woman at the well, is working in this room to heal men. All you got to do is jump in with all of us and join us in the healing process. We will do it with you, and we'll work like Jesus did to listen to you and not preach at you and not hit you with Bible verses and not unload our theology on you, but to take you in and love you and feel your heart and hear your pain and walk you to the throne of Jesus and ask Him to heal you. That's what we'll do, you guys. We'll meet you where you are. Stay with us, guys, join us. And if you're a guy that can help, I'm asking you, would you help? So guys, before you leave tonight, ask yourself this question. Who will I ask for help tonight before I leave with my pain? Who will I ask for help? And if you're saying, Well, I don't have any pain, then I would ask you this question. Who were you willing to help then with their pain? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these dear brothers. Bless this night. Lord, thank you for my dear brother James, who's with us now as brothers in Christ for eternity. Thank you for these blessed men, Lord. And Father, if there's any man here tonight that's saying, man, I want to be like James. I want to come to Jesus. Bring him forward, Lord. Help him come now and give his life to you, Jesus, so we can welcome him into the family, Lord. And for guys who are broken and hurting and have just been hiding in the back and holding back, help them come forward too, Lord, so we can all join together and heal together. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, have a great night.